It has long been a tradition in the music industry for siblings to both become pop superstars in their own right, with the younger sibling usually being the one to follow in the older sibling's footsteps. We had Janet Jackson follow in Michael's, Solange followed Beyonce's, and even Jamie Lynn Spears gave an attempt at a music career in the hopes of being successful like her big sister Britney. It doesn't always work, but it did work for Miss Ashley Simpson, who broke out of the shadow from her big sister Jessica and gave us all some pieces of her with her debut studio album Autobiography. Join us today as we take a look at one of the best-selling pop rock teen albums of the 2000s, along with the controversies that dampered the young singer's career before it ever really got started. Let us dive into the autobiography of Ashley Simpson. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Kadosh and I'm here to welcome you all to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. Hey, you guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Planet 2000s. I am your host, Michael Kadosh. I'm so excited this week to be talking about Ashley Simpson because Ashley was one of my favorite singers growing up. I was a really big fan of her and the whole pop rock teen movement of, you know, Avril Lavigne and Hilary Duff. And can't wait to get into this with you guys today. I just want to give a big thank you to everybody who has listened and subscribed to my show. There have been almost 8,000 listens of the show at this point, which is quite incredible. So thank you so much to everybody who's listened and given your feedback. And without further ado, let's get started. Ashley Ashley Simpson is the younger sister of pop superstar Jessica Simpson. Ashley started off as a backup dancer for Jessica during the promotional run of her first two albums, Sweet Kisses and Irresistible, in 1999 up till 2002. Ashley studied dance, even getting a scholarship to the School of American Ballet in New York City when she was just a teenager, a young teenager, and eventually started a role on the show Seventh Heaven for a few seasons, as well as a few small roles in Malcolm in the Middle and The Hot Chick, all of which were arranged by her father, Joe Simpson, who acted as her manager, as well as Jessica's. In 2003, Ashley decided that she wanted to create her own music career. She had put it off for a few years because essentially everyone was trying to put her in the box of being Jessica's younger sister, which is something that a lot of younger siblings usually fall into. You know, you're usually expected to follow the footsteps of your sibling, whether it be the same genre of music or the same career. And a lot of the time when these artists do that and do what everyone thinks they should be doing, it ends up that they're just in the shadow of their sibling and they never are really thought of as their own artists. And that is something that Ashley really really wanted to avoid, which is why she didn't go to Columbia Records, where her sister Jessica was signed to. She opted for Geffen Records, which was a little bit more underground. They still had big artists, but they were really more less focused on the pop side of things, which was something that Ashley really liked. So she ended up signing a record deal with them following the success of Jessica's music career. Even more brilliantly, Joe Simpson decided to create The Ashley Simpson Show, which followed Ashley in the process of making her first album, everything from getting her record deal, signing the record deal, writing the first batch of songs, writing the songs ended up making it, up until actual promotion of the album. So it really gave viewers a chance to get to know Ashley before they even bought her music. So everyone, before they even heard her sing, already knew this girl and already felt like they could relate to her, especially young girls and young gay boys like myself. <laughs> Ashley was influenced by Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders and Joan Jett from Joan Jett and the Blackhearts in terms of her musical style. Very different from Jessica's influences of Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. You know, Jessica wrote a book, open book, that came out last year, and she said that she had been singing songs by Whitney, Mariah, Celine since she was a little girl, and she wanted to be that big singer. And Ashley has always said that she was really more into the rock chicks and music with a little bit more of an edge, and so she didn't want to be like her sister Jessica. She wanted to be her own artist, so much that she even dyed her hair from her natural blonde to a black hair color so that people would see the difference, like, oh, okay, so 
so you don't think I'm different from my sister? Well, you're going to look at me and you're going to see this difference. It worked for her. I decided to dye my hair because I just needed to do something new. And I kind of like wanted to do something spontaneous and kind of shock everybody. And I definitely think that I did that. <laughs> I didn't do it to separate myself from my sister. But it's a lot of fun because she's got this like platinum blonde hair and I've got this like really dark hair. And uh, it's cool because now when we like hang out and everything, it, it totally has, you know, made us completely different. And I like that. A part of me also believes that a huge reason that Ashley's success was so big, aside from the brilliant marketing of the Ashley Simpson show and the fact that she was Jessica's younger sister, there were also many pop rock females that were breaking out around this time. You know, Pink had broken the pop girl image, opting for more rock sounds with her second album, Misunderstood. And this was the time that artists like Hilary Duff, Kelly Clarkson, and Lindsay Lohan were all following Pink in the sense of making more pop rock music, but that was still pop and young girls could still enjoy, making them feel like badasses, but having a little bit more of an edge to it. And the secret weapon to all of these artists and all of their songs was the songwriter John Shanks, as well as Caro Diogardi. So when Ashley signed to Geffen Records, the head of the label Jordan Schur made her work with these artists, I mean these songwriters, because Ashley had only been working with her band. She was coming up with songs that weren't as commercial, at least in the eyes of the record label. They put her with this guy, John Shanks, who had written all these tracks for Hilary Duff and Michelle Branch and Avril Lavigne and whatnot, created her this pop rock sound, and it was extremely, extremely successful. As for her role as the co-writer of the songs, Ashley has said that she had a lot of input lyrically, in quotations. I come up with the whole concept of the song. To me, writing is a very important thing. It's what I've always done and what I've always loved to do. And it was a big part of me wanting to do a record. So my label was amazing because they really let me have my hands in there. I got to write a lot. And that was something that Ashley was very, very proud of with her record. She wrote all of the songs, co-wrote all of the songs, something that Jessica didn't do. Jessica had only just started writing music on her third album, In the Skin. Ashley really wanted to be that songwriter because, like I said, she was influenced by Chrissy Hind and Joan Jett and Debbie Harry, and these were all songwriters. These were women who were badasses and who wrote their music and wrote their feelings into song. That's what Ashley wanted to do, and alas, she did. And that's how we got the album autobiography. I just completed my album and I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like a little kid. I'm like, ah! It's really like just my heart and it's like so much fun. I think that a lot of people will like be able to enjoy it and kind of jump around and have a good time, but then there's definitely like a movie side to it also. So the album autobiography was released on July 20th, 2004 and it debuted Big. It debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with 398,000 copies sold in its first week. This is a feat that her sister Jessica to this day was not able to accomplish. I'm talking about the number one album. Forget about those first sales in the first week. That's unheard of for any new artist. It has been certified three times platinum in the U.S. and sold over five million copies worldwide. Now, like I said earlier, there was a conscious effort to market her as the opposite of her sister, focusing on her more rock-oriented sound. However, they still did promos together, such as promos for Pizza Hut and Icebreaker's Liquid Ice. So they used the I'm Jessica's younger sister angle, but they did it in a more gritty way in the sense where I'm different than Jessica. And a lot of younger siblings can relate to that. You know, I want to be different from myself sister. I want to be different from my brother. I know that me growing up, I was very different from my siblings. And I mean, I didn't even have to say anything. You pretty much just looked at us and you knew that we were so different. But that was also a huge part of my identity. I didn't want to be like them. And I feel like a lot of younger siblings feel that way. And they definitely tapped into that, the marketing team for Ashley's album. It has been said that Jessica and Ashley's father and manager, Joe Simpson, redefined how you sell records through his use of reality television to promote his daughters. Because Jessica had the show Newlyweds, Nick and Jessica, that had premiered about a year prior and basically revived Jessica's career. Because Jessica was relatively successful with her first two albums. You know, she broke out in the time of Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, Mandy Moore, the big teen pop 
explosion. And she had a few hits, but she essentially had fizzled out. And then this reality show came out and it brought Jessica into people's homes and they fell in love with her. And her music career completely revived itself from the dead, giving her number one singles, top selling albums, sold out tours, movie deals. She became a number one star you know, before she was maybe a B, C-list star, and she became A-list overnight with this reality show. So when Joe saw what this did to Jessica, he was like, oh my goodness, this is how we're going to launch Ashley. So that's what he did. And Ashley actually said that she initially did not want to do the reality show, but that her father had persuaded her to do it because it would be about the production of her albums. And she said, and I quote, I thought that was kind of cool. You're actually seeing a deeper look into how this album got made. She also thought that the show would showcase her own personality and help distinguish her from Jessica. So there were three singles released from this album worldwide. Two of them were released worldwide, and one of them only was a North American release. So we had Pieces of Me, Shadow, and Lala. And each of these singles actually hold a pretty pivotal point in the album's life, because one of them was getting her launched, and the other one was about to be a big hit, and then was essentially shattered by a few events that happened, which we will definitely talk about, therefore leaving the third single no chance to actually be successful. Starting with Pieces of Me, it was a fun, lighthearted pop song about love. She wrote the song about her then-boyfriend Ryan Cabrera, who was also the opening act for Jessica Simpson, and was managed by Ashley's father, Joe. So there was a lot of family ties going on in the Simpson family dynasty at the time. It was Ashley's debut single. It began receiving widespread radio play in the U.S., in May 2004, well before the album's released about two months later. According to an article in the Los Angeles Times, they said that 97 stations added pieces of me to their playlist in the week ending on May 17th, which was the first week that it came out. Nobody had even heard of her and nobody had even seen the Ashley Simpson show. And they said that it was the strongest week for any single in 2004 at that point in the year. The reason I chose Pieces of Me to be the single, it's one of those songs, it's like a feel-good song. And I wanted my first single to be like one of those songs that just, it's easy to listen to. Every time I perform it or listen to it or whatever, it's just like, like it just feels good. And I wrote it about um, this guy I was seeing at the time and he was there for me during the making of my record. The single reached number 5 on the US Billboard Hot 100 and number 1 on the Radio Songs chart. In 2017, Billboard magazine listed the 100 greatest choruses of the 21st century and they placed Pieces of Me at number 97. It reached the top 10 in Norway, Denmark, UK, Canada, Ireland, and it even was performed on shows such as TRL, Jay Leno, David Letterman, Good Morning America, the Teen Choice Awards, and the 2004 MTV Video Music Awards pre-show. She was nominated for Best Pop Video at the MTV Awards and had one of the most successful music videos that that summer that was number one on TRL for weeks at a time. So Pieces of Me was pretty much the ideal start to any singer's career, you know? Everybody wants that big smash just to get right off the bat and everybody fall in love with you. And that's what Ashley had. And her album dropped within the time of the first single's release. It was incredibly successful. So the way it was looking with her amazing ratings on the reality show, her incredible album sales, and her amazing success with her first single, it looked like Ashley was going to be here for a very long time. They released her second single, Shadow, and it started off pretty well. The song itself was very personal for Ashley. It was a rock-tinged ballad about growing up in the shadow of her sibling Jessica. and was co-written by Ashley, Cara Diaguardi, and John Shanks. Shadow is about my sister and about my family. The reason I chose to go with it is because I think a lot of people are going to be able to connect to it. A lot of like younger sisters. It was a point in my life, I was 14, and we were like on tour, and it was like a part of my life like I was finding my own identity and it was like I kind of like sat down and I was like who am I like what do I want to be like what do I want to do and it's kind of a part of like becoming a woman it's not 
like saying, oh, I'm in the shadow, like, feel sorry for me. It's saying, like, look, like I'm coming into my own and I found my identity. Ashley stated that she was dealing with her inner demons and her inner voices in her head when she was making this track. In quotation, she says, It wasn't necessarily my parents being bad parents. It was just things that I battled with in my head, feeling second best or feeling that they didn't love me. But the song saying, Guys, I apologize. And if I ever put you guys through hell, I love you and I love my life. And thank you for letting me be myself, even though I messed up at times. They all ball whenever they listen to it. My sisters, my parents, everybody. Honestly, I think that this song was incredibly emotional for Ashley because it was... Everybody says the middle child syndrome or the younger child syndrome where they don't feel that they're loved as much as their parents. They don't feel that they have as much attention. And growing up, Jessica's parents did everything they could to make Jessica a star. And that left Ashley in the shadows a lot of the time. The song kind of chronicles that feeling of an 18, 19 year old girl in the aftermath of growing up like that. Not saying that, you know, her parents didn't love her. And she actually did get some criticisms from that because people were saying, well, your family is so in your life and, you know, they love you. And she's like, no, they love me. And a lot of people think that Shadow's about my sister, but it's really about dealing with myself and my feelings and the voices in my head. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are able to relate to. You know, the record label was smart to think that this would be a great second single. The video was amazing. She plays a version of Jessica, you know, wearing a blonde wig. And of course, a version of herself with the black hair. In the sense of a marketable narrative, this song had everything that you need. However, Ashley, in the midst of promotion for this single, had the whole Saturday Night Live debacle happen, and that pretty much made the single tank. We will get into the Saturday Night Live issues a little bit, but before we do that, I just want to talk about the third single, Lala, which was originally not planned as a single. Autobiography was the original choice, and they actually had it changed after the whole Saturday Night Live debacle, which, again, I will speak on in a bit. The video, however, became a staple in MTV that winter, and while it only reached number 86 on Billboard, it did give the album a 61% sales increase, so, I mean, in that way, it was good, but a lot of people could say that sales increase for one week only happened because of the spiked interest after the whole Saturday Night Live debacle. The song Lala was much sexier than her previous work, and the video was directed by Joseph Kahn. Ashley was a little bit out of her comfort zone when writing this song, but she had fun, and she wanted to have a fun song on the record. Lala is a song that's very flirty and sexy and the song hit the top 10 in Australia and Scotland, however, it failed to make any impact in the USA or Canada. It actually only peaked at number 86 on the US Billboard Hot 100, which was funny because the song actually got, I mean, the video got a lot of play on MTV, but the song was not being played at radio and it was not being bought in stores. People weren't buying it. So a lot of people believed because of the timing, you know, the single was released around two weeks after everything happened with Saturday Night Live. So a lot of people thought that, damn, this is the beginning of the end for this girl. I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. 
Yeah. Nah, man. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look, We all artists, man. We go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right with this I shit. gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I don't, play with, it, don't play with it. Take that shit serious. Just was so <laughs> stunned that they don't sing live on Saturday Night Live. Well, I mean, it is, you know, it's supposed to be Saturday Night Live. Can you say and Millie Vanilli? Yeah, but at least it was Ashley's voice, or at least so we think, That's right? That's true. That's true. All right. All right. So if in 2021 you ask mo- most people who were around in the early 2000s and remember pop culture about Ashley Simpson, the chances are they're going to remember one thing. They might remember that she's Jessica's sister, but they will remember Saturday Night Live. So Ashley was supposed to perform at Saturday Night Live. And she performed, she was going to perform two singles, Pieces of Me, which was her biggest hit, and her third single, her new single, Autobiography. And this was a very big deal because anybody knows that if you perform on Saturday Night Live, you're, it's kind of like the beginning of your career. It's a very big deal. A lot of people watch the show. It's been around since the 70s. It's iconic. It's something that most singers in their career want to have on their resume that they performed as the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. And because even though Ashley was such a new artist, she was incredibly successful. I'm talking within the first three months of her album being released, it was already certified three times platinum, meaning that it had already sold three million copies, which was unheard of. So the public interest for Ashley Simpson was incredibly high. Lauren Michaels and the whole team over at Saturday Night Live was like, okay, we're going to get this big star to perform as the musical guest on our show. Jude Law was the host. It was going to be a big deal. So Ashley rehearses for the show. Her voice begins to go out. According to her publicist, her father and manager decided in the end to use a vocal guide track because of the problems she was having with her voice that were beginning earlier in the day that were caused by acid reflux. Although her first performance of the night, Pieces of Me, was successful, her second performance, which was supposed to be autobiography, didn't go so well. What happened was her drummer was supposed to play a track of pre-recorded drums and I guess there was a glitch in the system. He ended up playing the vocals for Pieces of Me that Ashley had previously lip-sunk to in the first performance when she was supposed to perform Autobiography. Now, remember, she had lost her voice completely, and if you watched the Ashley Simpson show, they actually followed Ashley that whole entire day, and you saw her losing her voice, and she couldn't sing. And now a lot of people, you know, were saying you should have just canceled your show, but, you know, she was a young girl. She was 19 years old, and the handlers and the people who were above her, or who she thought were above her, were telling her, no, 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 you can't do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And she actually went on to speak about it publicly recently in 2018. So here, take a listen. I had never had an experience musically that like I was ready for a moment like SNL. I didn't know I had vocal problems. I had two nodes beating against each other. I said, I will not do this. I will not go on. We've not rehearsed. And everyone, you know, that was, I felt higher power than me was like, you have to do this lip singing and doing this like, I didn't know how to do that. For me, it was the most humbling experience of my life because the whole world thinks everything that you just put your heart and soul into writing is a joke, and that sucked. I definitely never wanted to be that kind of a performer. I'm, I'm a perfectionist, like I, you know, that was a really difficult time. It's making me cry. <laughs> Only because I look at myself like, at that moment as this like young girl that like didn't deserve to go through that, you know? And 
the world is like, you know, a tough place. So obviously it played a really big role in the downfall of Ashley's career and was very emotional for her. A lot of viewers accused Ashley of lip syncing and the incident received widespread coverage in the news. You guys, I was nine years old at the time and I remember every single day for about a month all anyone talked about was Ashley Simpson and how she lip synced. All the jokes were being made about her. Every late night talk show was talking about her. Even comparing what happened with her to what happened with Janet Jackson and the Super Bowl earlier that year in the sense of it being a quote-unquote career ruiner. Ashley joked about the incident with a performance of autobiography at the Radio Music Awards in October, even saying, you know, just kidding, you guys, saying, you know, you're playing the wrong song. So she tried to laugh it off. But I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it didn't really go away. Lord Michaels himself, the creator of Saturday Night Live, said in an interview that the lip syncing fiasco was a big no-no. And he said that no one has ever asked him if they could use lip syncing for Ashley's performance. He said, and I quote, if the plan had been, you know, like they'd done the Thursday rehearsal and had lip synced and said, well, that's what we do, then we would have said, no, we can't do that. He explained that it goes against the show's essence of being live. And the only time he'd ever been aware of lip syncing taking place was during dance breaks, where if it was all about dance, and that's a relatively recent phenomenon. So... When you have the creator of Saturday Night Live publicly not bashing you, but putting your actions down, that is going to have a very bad negative perception of you in the media. And the thing is, is it wasn't really Ashley's fault because we, you know, she had always sung live. I personally believe that she got the short end of the stick and that a lot of people really gave her too hard of a time. Now, issue here is that even though you know, she maybe could have come out the other side from this performance because in the final two months of 2004, Ashley was still promoting. You know, Lala was still getting a lot of video play on MTV and her album sales hadn't really gone down too much. The single wasn't doing that well, but people were still interested in her. But then came the Orange Bowl performance in January 2005. And this is where I believe that her career essentially got the kiss of fate. She performed the song Lala live at the halftime show at the Orange Bowl game in Miami, Florida. And this is a very big game. It's not as big as the Super Bowl, obviously, but it's performed in a big stadium and millions of people watch. She sang off-key the entire time. And after singing the last line, the stadium audience booed her. I'm going to play you a little clip just from the end of that performance, just so you guys, if you haven't seen it or heard of this performance, you can know what I'm talking about. So a lot of critics compared this poor performance to Ashley's revealing miscue on Saturday Night Live in October of 2004, where she had intended to perform autobiography and that whole thing happened. She got a lot of negative press from that. But, you know, a lot of people said after that performance that it really was just aftermath from Ashley's Saturday Night Live performance because they're like, oh, wow, she's lip syncing here and now she sounds terrible here. Ashley herself said that the poor performance of Lala was the result of an equipment failure with her in-ear monitors not working. And again, in the Ashley Simpson show, they're with her that day. And they're literally showing rehearsals where she's saying in rehearsals, you guys, I can't hear, I can't hear. And her team is not really taking care of her. So this just kind of goes into the idea of pop stars and their young days with a lot of yes people around them and not actually taking care of them. If you guys watch the Framing Britney Spears documentary that has been recently making a lot of headlines, you'll see that your team and the people around you are everything. And when you don't have a team around you taking care of you and looking out for your best interest and who's there saying, okay, we need to make sure that she can hear or, oh, she, she should not be singing today because she can't sing. Otherwise, this can go badly. 
a lot of bad things can happen and it can showcase the end of somebody's career, especially in those days, because back then the media decided what we believe. There was no social media for celebrities or for singers to clear up stories or to show their own sides of stories. The media created the narrative. And so the media decided that this Ashley Simpson was a product. They decided that she wasn't a real artist and they decided that she was a joke. You know, that's something that unfortunately, did affect her career negatively. You know, like she did have one other album that was relatively successful and she did have a third album, but they both did not do nearly as well as the first with the third album barely breaking 100,000 copies. So Ashley never really recreated the success of that first album. And a lot of people do believe that it was because of Saturday Night Live and these Orange Bowl performances. So while Ashley was getting a lot of negative attention at the time, she still had a lot of fans and she ended up going on tour that spring and she was very, very excited about this tour. Um, now you have a tour. Yeah. First time. So you, you pretty much travel all the time. Like you're busy all the time going everywhere. Um, do you ever, you know, bring anything with you? Is there something that you always have to take with you when you... Um... I, I usually bring, I just have a blanket that I always like yeah. to bring, it's like a nice like silk blanket and I always bring that because, you know, I'm having to sleep in cars and on yeah. planes and stuff, so Aww. that's usually, you know, and then I always use the uh, airplane thing where you like have this awkward neck. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, the pillow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used it last night and my mom was like, you look like you don't have a neck. <laughs> we'll make the flight much more comfortable. Oh, yes. <laughs> She did 37 shows across the U.S. and Canada, including a show at Massey Hall here in Toronto. And, you know, the fans were there for their support, even people holding signs as we love lip syncers, da da da, even though Ashley was not a lip syncer. Ashley performed live and she really was influenced by those rock chicks from the 80s and she really just got the short end of the stick. While there were a lot of negatives in this era, at the end of the day, the album was incredibly successful and does go down in history as one of the most successful teen pop albums ever. E! Online, at the time of the album's release, praised Simpson's singing and catchy tracks, saying that Ashley Simpson still managed to piece together this collection of tracks that sound as if they were ripped right from the pages of her diary. Ashley even makes you think twice about her semi-charmed life, so even if it doesn't wow you, autobiography may surprise you. And the New York Times said that autobiography is a thoroughly calculated package, aiming for the same audience that embraces Avril Lavigne and Pink. And sure enough, it did. Me as a kid, I was that audience and I loved Avril, I loved Pink and I loved Ashley Simpson. And that album is iconic to this day. You know, if you guys are going to listen back to it and you only knew the singles Pieces of Me, Lala or Shadow, some amazing tracks on this album include Surrender, Autobiography, Undiscovered. So the album really was a work of pop art, as I like to call it, because it really was an autobiography of a 19-year-old girl who's just trying to make it in this world. And I do believe that the world was incredibly harsh on her. Everything that happened with Saturday Night Live and the Orange Bowl, I truly don't believe that it was fair. I think Ashley has a lot of talent. I think that she still has a lot of fans to this day. You know, she had her reality show with her husband, Evan Ross, who is the son of Diana Ross. So she's now married into another whole different dynasty of, uh, you know, music royalty. But, um, you know, they're, they're a duo and they make music together now, Ashley and Evan. And she had her reality show. She has three beautiful children. She's gorgeous. So I think Ashley Simpson is doing just fine today. And I think that she can look back at this time in her life as a, pop star in the mid-2000s as a learning period. I hope, Ashley, if you ever listen to this, you know that you still have a lot of fans. That being said, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Planet 2000s. I hope you guys enjoyed the dive into autobiography by Ashley Simpson in the entire era. If you guys have any requests to people that you guys want me to do or to look into or analyze in terms of their music eras, make sure to hit me up at Planet 2000s on Instagram. And I can't wait to speak with you guys next time. All right. Have a great day. Bye.